0: Thanks for listening to The Career Planning Show, hosted by Alex Rashkanu and sponsored by Staples Studio. You can listen to a new episode every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are played. If you'd like to ask a question, please submit it at www.rascanu.com forward slash The Career Planning Show. Sarana Sandy is the CEO of Skills for Change, a nonprofit organization that provides learning and training opportunities for immigrants and refugees. Sarana has an MA and a BA in Leadership and Management, an MBA and a Diploma in Human Resources Management, and certificates in Nonprofit Management and Human Resources Management. She is currently pursuing a Master of Arts in Global Development Sustainability at Harvard University and a Graduate Diploma in Public Administration at the University of Western Ontario. She has 10 certifications in Career Coaching-Management, Career Transition-Development, Resume Writing and Personal Branding. Sarana was awarded the Government of Canada's Canada 150 Outstanding Neighbour Award, the 100 Accomplished Black Women Award, the 100 Black Women to Watch in Canada, and a Community Service Award. She is Board Chair of the Black HR Professionals of Canada. During our interview for the Career Planning Show, we discussed Sarana's career journey, her experience serving as the CEO of Skills for Change. We talked about continuous learning, mentorship, and the impact that she's been able to have so far. Here's Sarana's career journey and career development insights for yourself. Welcome to the Career Planning Show. Our guest today is Sarana Sandy. How are you, Sarana?
1: I'm well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Let's dive right in. Sarana, would you mind walking us through your career journey so far?
1: Sure. Thank you. Again, Alex, it's really great to be here with you and thank you for doing this show. This is fantastic. My career has been, it's interesting because um, where I am today is not where I thought I would be. I actually started working in human resources 20 odd something years ago. I started working in HR and transitioned into career management through entrepreneurship. I ran for about 12 years, a career management firm. We did corporate outplacement for displaced employees, and we also did personal career coaching, resume writing, interview preparation, and job and career transition support on mm-hmm. an individual basis. I then transitioned to being a CEO of a nonprofit organization, a relatively large organization, multi-site, multi-service agency, provides employment services, settlement training services across greater Toronto, Hamilton, Wentworth region. And you can see the connections. So human resources, entrepreneurship and and leadership of an organization, all the component parts are linked, even though they may seem a little bit different. Did I think I was gonna be a nonprofit CEO when I finished undergrad? No, but here we are today. In terms of academic background, I have a bachelor's degree in leadership and management and I did a master's degree in leadership and management. You can see a theme there. And I did an MBA in human resources management And I'm just wrapping up a postgraduate diploma in public administration, looking at local government and um, studying another graduate degree, looking at global development and sustainability. I have a certificate in HR management and a diploma in business and administration. I mention a lot of those because I think it's important. It's great to have the hands-on practical and maybe the intuitive approach to doing a task, but you want to complement that with a good academic underpinning that allows you to be as successful as possible. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of what I've done in work and training thus far.
0: Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the time when you were CEO of Circle Group, what Mm -hmm. are some frameworks, tools, or resources that you used at that time to support your clients with their career development?
1: For me, the critical piece that I always try to bring to the clients is to say, continue learning, and I demonstrated it. So during that time that I ran the organization, I, I think... I finished up with about 12 different career certifications. A certified je- career coach, branding analyst, certified resume writer, job search, transition, all those pieces. And I use this framework of saying that it's not about getting a job. It is exactly planning your career, near-term, mm-hmm. mid-term, and long-term. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the career pathways you may need to take? What is the education you may need to have? What is the industry connections and networking capabilities you may need to build? So when I'm working with the The clients, those are the pieces I try to ensure that you build out career goals, tool sets to get there, the connections and relationships that would, you know, support you are accessing different jobs that you may need, mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to change your resume through looking at how to measure and track accomplishments, how to write a very effective CV, how to position yourself internally for access to new opportunities and to recognize just as how you go to the dentist regularly, which I hope we all do and go to doctors regularly, you do the same checkup. On your career right mm. you check in you check in you check in are we do, am i doing really well not just mm. monetarily am i growing new skills um, mm. is my education up to date and relevant so those are some of the approaches to managing transition
0: mm.
1: or planning for growth and development through networking and, and skills building
0: mm. that's great i wonder as you transition into the role that you have as skills for change Were you able to transfer any methodologies or tools? When government funded, you end up having to leverage a lot of tools and resources that the government puts forward, their methodologies, step by step approaches that are required based on the funding agreements that an organization would have in place. Is there anything that you were able to bring from your past experience into the role that you have right now? And how has that impacted the way? clients are served at skills for change. So
1: it's interesting for people to understand that a charity is a charitable business with an emphasis on the business. So with any other corporation, you have to manage your finances, the marketing, the people, the client relationships. The government provides funded contracts, and it's the same as if there was a private entity who signed a contract with another business. Mm -hmm. There are deliverables, there's expectations for use of funds, for meeting the targets and performing. Our clients, even though they're getting a quote-unquote free service, it's not really free, it is paid for by the government, they expect and should and entitled to receiving quality service. So you still, you know, we will treat our client as though they are going to a publicly traded company to purchase a product or receive a service. Quality standards have to be imbued because there's a lot of other... Nonprofits who are receiving contracts from the government, such as us, who are competing for access to those same clients. So, quality client service, responsiveness, quality service delivery, not just timely, but the knowledge that we're imparting, the tools that we're giving, the resources that we're giving, the employer connections that we're building needs to be quality for those individuals. So, I bring the same entrepreneurial spirit. We have to sustain the business, right? So, we have to get more contracts. We have to be very mindful of the quality of the service. but be mindful of the people who work within skill switching, so ensuring that they have a fair, equitable, mm-hmm. decent working environment with good pay benefits, et cetera. Those things mm-hmm. are still critical to have, even though it's a charity. More so because people come to work for a charity, need to have a job, but there's also that uh, in feeling of doing something, of giving back. And the mm-hmm. worst thing you want to do is to create an environment for someone where they want to give and to contribute that is hostile and unproductive so mm-hmm. you bring the same leadership acumen the same focus on business sustainability and growth the same focus on people and their their experience that they have good productive engaged experience that they can be their full selves mm-hmm. and you got to make sure the clients are benefiting and feeling valued and respected and that the services are quality and relevant so everything that I did, in a Consulting from Translates over the requirements for reporting for a charity is different in a private business. That's just you know, administrative, yes. but business management is very applicable in this environment. And I think that's important for folks to understand. You may transition into a new sector, but the domain is somewhat the same and the skills are very transferable and the underlying business demands and priorities would remain the same.
0: Just to uh, pick up on some of the points that you made in your last answer, I find that the topic of equity, diversity and inclusion is receiving a lot of attention lately from leaders in both the for-profit and the nonprofit environments, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to addressing topics like anti-Black racism, Mm anti-Asian racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you practice equity, diversity and inclusion at Skills for Change and how does that impact the career trajectory of staff who work within the organization?
1: So, Skills for Change is an immigrant and refugee-serving organization, and, you know, immigrants come from all over the world, but there's also a high percentage of racialized folks, and there's a lot of women. The nonprofit sector is highly feminized, so it's a higher percentage of women working in the nonprofit sector, which also means there is different kinds of needs, right? A lot of women are also caregivers, whether it's for children or parents. Hmm. So, the equitable piece, the fair piece, is about ensuring that the workplace is flexible enough for different people that work here. We have young folks, racialized folks, older employees, people with different newer, atypical backgrounds. So we make an effort in terms of how we, first of all, from the recruiting standpoint, where are positions posted? Is it accessible to different people that we want to access these roles? Newcomers to Canada face a big challenge of quote unquote Canadian experience. So the first thing that we do is skills for change. We don't consider that. Hmm. We look at what is your grounding. It could be in Canada, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Ukraine. Have you worked in a particular domain that we're interested in filling? Then we interview you and you can come in. So we have folks who come into our organization in leadership roles, management, associate director, et cetera, never worked in Canada because Hmm. they have the experience. We recognize language. We recognize opportunity to be your full self. To recognize historical pieces that may be relevant to those folks so that it's there. We're very mindful of what's happening in the community and how it impacts our clients and our, our colleagues. So, for example, we just had a um, discussion around anti Asian hate. So, we talk about it internally and we say, This could affect the clients, this affects our colleagues, this affects our community, we bring light on it, we talk about it, we ask people what could we do, we learn from people, and we take steps to ensure that it's a a good environment. But we don't just do it internal because we are helping people get jobs. So we want to put them in organizations that are good, decent workplaces that have good, decent practices around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So we do conferences on diversity and inclusion. We ensure that the the employers that we're working with have appropriate workplaces. We don't get it right all the time because we're not there all the time, but we ask questions. We do visits with employers. We learn about the environment. We learn what's important to them. We actually have a three-year research project that we're doing in Peel region to look at newcomer talent integration and how we Mm. can help new employers in Peel region Mm. to be more open to diverse workplaces. Mm. So we don't just look at race and gender. We look at age. We look at visible and non-visible mental health issues or disabilities, Mm. religion, everything else, and try to create an environment that is as open as possible. So if you've actually come into Skills for Change, you're going to find a lot of very diverse folks in leadership and frontline in different roles. We do need a lot more men, but like I mentioned, it's very feminized. So a lot of men don't apply to some of the roles because it, it could seem very gendered, right? some of the positions that are historical or they sound like women's work. And we try to encourage mm. everybody and we reach out and interview and engage with people. But the sector as a whole, you may be familiar in the nonprofit mm. sector, is not as much men in certain areas, but we do try to reach out and bring them as much as possible into the organization. Mm-hmm. Diversity work is an ongoing work. So we've always trying to monitor to see what it is we need to do, how do we need to do it, and to learn from our colleagues, from our clients, and from other partner agencies to create the best environment as we can. Mm-hmm.
0: In terms of the impact that you've been able to have through your work with Skills for Change and through other initiatives that you're part of and help fund like Black Women Connect. Mm -hmm. Can you share some thoughts on the kind of impact that you've been able to have? It's one thing for someone to talk about an organization that has a brand um, identity and tells its own story. It's another thing when you hear it from someone who is in a leadership role with with that organization and they're able to pinpoint specific impacts that they've been able to have.
1: Yeah. So one of the things, speaking about the organization generically, when I first came into Skills for Change eight and a half years ago, it was primarily serving internationally trained professionals. So it Mm -hmm. said we're serving immigrants and refugees, but it was if you're internationally trained, right? So you have a degree, you're a skilled professional. But over the years, we introduced Entrepreneurship program, youth program, seniors program, women-specific program, and also for lower-skilled immigrants so that more folks can have better labor market attachment and to settle more effectively. So that was a big organizational shift. And Hmm. it meant that we moved from serving about 14,000 people a year to almost 20,000, and we've broadened our locations. And we moved from, I think we had four major programs, Now we have over 26 programs. So we really serve people more comprehensively. But we also recognize that you can't do that um, without doing more to raise awareness. And so we've implemented research projects. I mentioned a few of them. Mm -hmm. We look at how racialized youth access post-secondary education, getting newcomers integrated into the labor market. But also on a social engagement piece, you know, with George Floyd murder last year and the big global focus on anti-Black racism, we started our spotlight series, with monthly webinars, where we really delved into the impact of anti-Black racism on the Black community. So we look at it from the workplace, in health and social justice and women in entrepreneurship and accessing to funding for Black-led businesses and so forth. We also do spotlight events around COVID and impact on women, racialized women, immigrant women, what yeah. it meant for them and the access to the labor market. We bring in policy makers, um, advocates, other leaders and executives or researchers from Ryerson University or immigrant serving organization. So it's, it's not just program delivery, it is a policy lens, a research mm. lens, and a community awareness building. Mm. And the community could be the employer community, the immigrant community, partner communities, and other community agencies. Personally, I launched Black Women Connect to build more relationships for Black women in Toronto in a sense of connection and community in a sense of women experience to make relationships. Mm. The, the City of Toronto created the Confronting Anti-Black Racism Unit, first ever in North America. And I was uh, one of the first partnership and accountability circle as the Oversight Committee that City Council tasked with ensuring that that Confronting Anti-Black Racism Action Plan plan was implemented with good support and, and that the projects and focus areas were reflective of the community needs. And that is another way in which we draw attention to particular emerging issues. And we sit on also various tables around immigrants and refugees, labor market integration, youth, labor market, youth leadership. So the impact is not just here's an employment program, good luck, but to make sure policy are changed, views Mm. for change, and people are aware of the other emerging issues that people, clients, amazing folks are going through, and they need to be able to support
0: that. Mm. Thank you. May we shift? Uh, back into something that you mentioned in answer to my first question, which is the long list of educational experiences that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, you place such a strong emphasis on continuous learning. And in the society that we live in today with very significant pace of change occurring and very significant changes in the labor market, continuous learning is something that's very important. Can you speak about how continuous learning has helped you in your career journey and in the impact that you've been able to have? And share a word to others as to why they should consider continuous learning and and how they they should think about it.
1: always learn. (laughs) Mm. When I started off my career, it was in in human resources. So I had a leadership and HR uh, training. I thought it was great. This is fantastic. But as I transition into running a business, what do I know about running a business? How can Mm. I be as successful and effective in this new domain, right? As Mm. an entrepreneur, I have an idea, I have a vision, but do I have the technical capabilities to ensure that it's successful? Is my vision and idea enough for that Mm. success? It was not. So I, I think it's important for people to do continuous learning for a few reasons. It reduces your stress of the, I don't know, would I be successful, imposter syndrome, you may have, it really gives you that comfort and understanding of whatever domain you're in. Yeah. Um, but you've also mentioned a critical piece. The pace of change is so dramatic. Right. Therefore, would my knowledge be competitive? Let's say, for example, I've been in an organization for even three to five years in a particular area of expertise. But the external changes in technology, standards and practices have been so vast that a pandemic happens and I'm made redundant. Are my skills, knowledge and capabilities relevant in the labor market? Does it meet labor market needs? Can I be competitive? Can I go in and make a good argument that I can transition somewhere else? That's one of the key pieces, right? Worst case mm. scenario. Yeah. Secondly, you want to make sure that your knowledge that you have is keeping up and relevant to where your organization or your industry may be going. I mean, you think about you went from a typewriter to computers to DOS to where we are right now. Should I have just simply stuck with the company? You know, if I was in the labor market fifty years ago, and then the typewriter was slowly being erased, and now I'm good. I'm not going to learn this new computer thing. I'm fine. No worries. It's a fad. Not going to happen. Okay. Computers come around. I go, no, no, I'm good. The internet go, nope. I'm not going to, the internet, no, nobody's going to use that. It's not going to be a thing. I'm not going to, what we're doing here, it works really well. You would be bypassed, right? You would lose. Career opportunity, which let's just be frank, is money thrown out the door, right? You're not going to have access to that. Growth opportunity, competitive opportunity. So I study because I love learning things. I study to to both keep abreast of what's happening, to have new information that could help me do my job well right now. And quite frankly, yes, I'm the CEO and I work for a wonderful organization, but I never sit down and go, well, that's it. I'm done, I'm good, of course not. I think about what could happen, where could I go? What's new, what's interesting? So I started looking at sustainability because it infuses all aspects of our lives, right? There Mm -hmm. is the economic component of it, the social component of it, the environmental component of it. And I can infuse that in my work at Skills for Change. We we own our own building, we can green that building, we can make it sustainable with corporate sustainability. There is the environmental, the built environment, So studying that doesn't mean I'm going to go and be a chief sustainability officer or a sustainability consultant. I infuse that in my work right now to enrich my work and to enrich my organization. So I still grow. Right. Mm. And that's a critical piece. So you want to grow because uh, you want to study because you can make money. Sure. Do it. That's. I think that's smart do that you want to grow because you'll make your job more enriching more enlightening more exciting do that you want to do additional education because for you the idea of knowing and figuring out what things will be in the three to four five ten years so you could prepare your resume take the right projects do the right jobs go into the right field do that there's many different reasons but I encourage people to continually evolve your resume and involve your practice. The world is changing and it's changing radically. The mm. world of work is different. You need to keep up with it. And it's, it's so it could be upskilling or reskilling, but do something so that you can be competitive. I love to learn. It's not just about having another degree. I want to learn the thing. I want to understand how it works. I want to break it down into this constituent part. I want to apply it in this way. You know, That's why I learn Career sustainability I Mm. should write a book on that career sustainability (laughs) is just as critical as business sustainability right you you gotta have a plan you can't just be winging it as you go right you gotta have a plan of what you want to do how you're going to get there what it would take and then invest in making that plan come uh, to reality what is it that's unique about me Mm. how do I differentiate myself that's going to be critical that we do. So I think it's an important part of your investment. We do it for many things, right? We, we maintain the car. We yeah. get that oil change. We make sure it's, it's performing well because we want the car to perform for us when we use it. Well, it's not the same thing we do for ourselves. We invest in, we check in, we add something to our capability. So we make sure that we are as competitive as we can be. So I hope that answered your question.
0: Yes, you definitely did. And writing a book on career sustainability, I think (laughs) it's a great idea. If you were to take a step back and think about your career journey so far, would you say that there's one person who inspired you or someone who has acted as a mentor and um, that mentorship experience has really benefited you? There's so much that we can get from different educational experiences. There's so much that were able to bring forward in the work environment from the work experience, but is there one person or perhaps a couple of people that really impacted you?
1: I've been very fortunate in that I have met a lot of people who come in and out of my life and added a lot of value. So, for example, I worked in human resources at TD Bank in my early 20s, very unsure, you know, finished university and I was like, oh, big bank, right? It's it's amazing. It's in the 90s. And there was uh, this gentleman with me and he said, you're a woman and you're a black woman and those are assets. And this was a, a white Jewish man from Hungary who's telling this young black girl, being black and female is amazing, it's your superpower. And it was like a throwaway comment, but it stuck with me and it's been my little thing and since then as a 21 year old. Robert said that he moved on, I moved on. And then as I went and started my business, there's a lot of folks who came in and gave great advice or simple support. I remember I went to rent an office and it was an executive center and it was a woman. And again, I was young and and she looked at me and she goes, you know, this will cost blah, 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 but I'm going to give it to you at this cheaper rate. No, that made a huge difference to getting my business off the ground. I had a great office. You know, it made sense to have... uh, an office on Bay, right? It had a branding element, but it would not have happened if this woman didn't look at me and said, I'm going to give you a dramatically discounted rate on, on this office because I connect with you as a woman. And then when I came into the nonprofit space, I knew nothing about nonprofit. I knew nothing about what it entailed. And then this one woman took me under her wing and said, I want to introduce you to a bunch of people. And that opened my connection and get me comfortable and all of that helped. So, There could be big steps, right, where people are with you all the way and holding your hand, or someone take a moment to make a comment that centers you and make you feel, oh yeah, I can do this, I can believe in that. And someone giving you a tiny break that Mm -hmm. allow your company to have a Bay Street address that immediately give more credibility and, and support. So there's been a lot of folks who... They may not even be aware of it. I, I, I think I sent Robert a few years ago a LinkedIn message saying, you don't remember this, but 15 years ago when you said that to me, it really helped. And he's like, oh my God, I didn't realize. <laughs> it's that little nudge, that little hmm. encouragement, that little support, all of that blending in together creates opportunity for you to be successful. So lots of wonderful people and not just people in leadership. When I came into the role, my direct reports who've been in the work at Skills for Change longer than I have been even working, <laughs> they helped me learn. They helped me understand the business and they contributed to my success and they were my mentors. So your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be some CEO or VP or director, or, uh, someone with dramatic you know, titles and anything. They could be that receptionist. Or admin staff that got you really well-situated and coached you in the culture and give you little tidbits and guidance that get you comfortable so you can do the big things, right? Mm. So I think that's very, very, very important. Mm. So all in all, mentors and mentorship comes in different shapes and forms and and length of time. But I've been very fortunate that I've had people every step of the way helping me to be successful.
0: Mm. Well, thank you. It's been great to learn from you about your career journey, about your experience serving as CEO of Skills for Change. We talked about diversity and inclusion. We talked about continuous learning, mentorship, the way that you've been able to have an impact through your work. One final question would be, what's next? What's what's next for Serena?
1: <laughs> what's next for me is I'm, I'm in a different path of learning. What I think has been fantastic over the last year is recognizing how dramatic change could really be good Mm -hmm. if handled properly. So for example, we moved to work remotely. Yes. And we leap forward the organization in ways that we probably would not have done if we were still working in those physical sites, technology, innovation, and growth. And so what's next for me is to say, you took a lot of risks and they worked out and it's okay to take a few more risks, good calculated, careful risk with yourself and with the organization. And so you can move it forward and, you know, embed that good sustainability in there. So I'm going to continue to learn and taking those courses at Harvard in sustainability and global development. I'm going to go and focus on more relationship building, some more advocacy for the work that I'm doing in a more vocal way. I think prior to George Floyd, I don't think I was ever as vocal publicly around anti-Black racism as I have been in the last mm-hmm. year. And I don't think I've actually been as vocal as an organization around other issues of equity and social justice and embedding that more in Skills for Change. The world is good in many ways, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's good. A lot of good people, amazing people, but the world also has a lot of challenges. And it's okay to pay attention to those, bring attention to those without ignoring the good. Mm -hmm. Understanding how do we advocate in such a way that it doesn't alienate people, but we still bring attention to critical issues to ensure that we create welcoming and equitable communities in Canada not just for people who are able-bodied and well-educated, right? The immigrants are able-bodied and well-educated. They have a greater chance of of achieving their goals with some support. But if you're not able-bodied, well-educated and connected, you may not have the the same opportunities. So that's going to be what I try to do within my professional and personal space.
0: That's great. Well, Serena, thank you for your time. Appreciate having you on the career planning show.
1: Thank you so much. I think this is a great platform that you've created. And I'm very excited to listen to what we've talked about, but listen to other podcasts that you've done. And thank you for having me.
0: We recorded the career planning show in the podcast booth inside the Staples Studio co-working space located in Midtown Toronto, Canada. Staples Studio not only offers a safe space to work, with desks, offices, private phone booths and meeting rooms, they are also connected to the Staples Store, where they have everything you need under one roof. With locations across Canada, Staples Studio is a community to help you work, learn and grow. To learn about their co-working space locations, pricing and amenities, visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour. Thank you for listening to the Career Planning Show, hosted by Alex Rashkanu and sponsored by Staple Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, rate it, and share it with a friend.